today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Elcantar. He's saying that there, there are things to put off and things to put on. And so don't just put off lust, put on sacrificial love. Don't just put off greed, put on generosity. And this is, this is a crucial truth to grasp. The goal, listen, the goal of our Christian life is not to stop doing bad things and just never do bad things anymore. The goal of our Christian life is looking more like Jesus. So if all you ever do is to try to not do things, you're going to be really frustrated, okay? Hoping God, oh my soul, He is strong and He's strong to save. Hoping God, He's a rock and you hide in place. He's a mighty resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. One of the most prideful things you can do is act as if you're able to live a sanctified and holy lifestyle by your own strength. It's Christ who's given you the power over sin and darkness. Your job is to simply cooperate with the finished work that Jesus has already done for you. When you realize that you can do nothing in your flesh, that is when you begin to draw strength from the Holy Spirit. Ask him to fill you afresh today. Let's join Pastor Ricky in the book of Ephesians chapter 4 for our continuing study entitled New Life in Christ. C.S. Lewis wrote a novel called The Great Divorce. And there's a scene in the novel where there's an angel and a man having a conversation. And the man has a little red lizard on his shoulder. And the lizard, him being on the shoulder, is burning this man. He's, he's struggling. And, and in the novel, uh, this lizard represents lust or, or a, a propensity to, to sin. And so the angel asks him, may I kill it? And then the man says, honestly, I don't think there's the slightest necessity for that. I'm sure I'll be able to keep it in order now. I think the gradual process would be far better than, than killing it. The gradual process, the angel says, is of no use at all. The man, don't you think so? Well, well I, I'll think over what you've said very carefully. I honestly will. In fact, I, I'd let you kill it now. But as a matter of fact, I'm not feeling frightfully well today. It would be silly to do it now. I need to be in good health for the operation. So some other day then, perhaps. The angel says, so there is no other day. And he begins to move toward the man. And the man says, you're hurting me now. The angel says, I've never said it wouldn't hurt. I said I wouldn't kill you. The man says, oh, I know. You think I'm a coward, but it isn't that. Really, it isn't. I say, let me run back uh, on tonight's bus and get opinion from my own doctor, and then I'll come again the first moment I can. And then the creature spoke to him and said, be careful. He can do what he says. He can kill me. One fatal word from you and he will. Then you'll be without me forever and ever. It's not natural. How could you live? You'd be only a sort of ghost, not a real man as you are now. He doesn't understand. He's only a cold, bloodless, abstract thing. It may be natural for him, but it isn't for us. Yes, yes, I know there are no real pleasures now, only dreams, but aren't they better than nothing? And I'll be so good. I, I admit sometimes I've gone too far in the past, but I, I promise I won't do it again. I'll give you nothing but really nice dreams, all sweet and fresh and almost innocent. You might say even quite innocent. 
See, this is the lie that our sin, whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, whispers to you that, that you don't have a problem, that, that you don't wanna kill your sin. But Paul is pointing out that way leads to death. But there's a second lie. Even if you recognize this, there's a second lie often people ping pong over to, and that lie is that you can't change. So maybe you understand, maybe you see, okay, I need to change, but the second lie you'll be tempted to believe is I can't change. And this is more common, I think, among Christians even than the first lie. And and it can look different in different situations. Maybe you see a a pattern of sin, an addiction like alcoholism or an addiction to pornography, and you think, ah, I'll never beat this. Maybe you try, maybe you take some steps, maybe you give it a shot and you're dragged back down. Or maybe you and your spouse are in conflict and she points out an area where you're weak in and so you say, I'm sorry, I'm just never going to be a caring person. Or maybe you realize you're impatient and you've tried to be more patient, but it never goes anywhere. You're never able to get any further, so you just shrug and you give up. Or you're trapped. You're trapped in sin. You want to get out. You desperately want to get out, but you've tried and it doesn't work, and so you resign yourself to dealing with it. There are two truths that you need. The first one is this. You have changed. That's what Paul says. He says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20, but that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. Now, you guys stick with me here because the English translation of these verses isn't, it, it, it could be a little confusing, so stay with me here. What Paul is saying is that you, you, you shouldn't live like this because you learned Christ. In other words, he, that somebody told you about Jesus, and it's gonna become clear in a second, but he's not talking about um, a gradual process of learning Christ. He's pointing to a moment when you learned who Christ was. You learned about Jesus. He says, you heard him. Now, in the Greek, there's no about. I don't know how to explain that, but there's no, uh, there's no uh, preposition of about or of him. It, it literally in the Greek is you have heard him, okay? So theologian John Stott believes the better translation is simply you heard him. Not simply, this is, what, this is why this is important. It's not simply that you heard about Christ and somebody told you about him and you're like, oh, okay. It's that somebody told you about Christ and when that happened, you heard Christ, that, that Jesus' voice broke through all of the hardness and callousness of your heart like a, like a laser beam and opened it up and you heard the voice of the risen Son of God. And in that moment, you, you were taught in him that he was, Stott again says, it's as though Jesus was the atmosphere. He was, Stott says, he was the subject of your lesson, he was the teacher, and he was the atmosphere in which you learned. So this is a, not just a gradual process. This is a decisive moment when you learned Christ. In other words, you grasped Christ. You, you had this encounter with Jesus. And he says, because of that, everything changed in your life. I read a, um, uh, a piece of research lately that they did a study. Of course, I, always, of course I would read this because I was a creative writing major, but the study was that when you read a novel, it actually changes and rewires your brain. 
It was fascinating. So they, they had people start a novel and they kind of looked at their brain and then they tracked them while they were reading. And at the end of the brain, they did an, at the end of the book, they did another scan and their brain was different at the end of the book. And maybe you've experienced that. I, I remember last year I read uh, a long, epically long biography of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And what's funny is, I can look back and think that actually did happen. As I learned about this guy's life, as I saw what it was like in Nazi Germany, as I wrestled with the issues he was wrestling with, when I finished the book, I closed it a different person than when I started the book. And, and on a cosmic, eternal scale, that's what Paul is talking about here. He says, there was a moment for you, if you're a Christian, where you encountered Jesus and he spoke to you and he was the atmosphere around you and who you were at the beginning of that conversation and who you were at the end of that conversation were completely different. He says, that's not the way you learned Christ. Something happened to you. In Colossians chapter three, there's a parallel passage to this and it goes like this in Colossians 3, 9. He says, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Saying, so, so he, what he's saying, he, he's, he's not saying that sort of you had to learn and grow to put off and put on. He's actually talking about the fact that at a particular moment, you did put off something and you did put on something else. That's why uh, when the, our passage continues, it says that you, you learn Christ and you learn to put off your old self and to be renewed in the spirit of your mind and to put on the new self. Now, this is really important because the way that I most often approach this passage is that Paul is first telling you, you need to do this. You need to put off your old self and you need to put on your old self, uh, your new self. And now he, there is that implied in it, but the thing he's actually saying is that when you encountered Christ, when you learned him, when you had this encounter with him, you were taught, your brain was rewired to put off the old self and to put on the new self. You were renewed, you did put off something and you did put on something else. So primarily, the passage is actually about something that's happened to you, not about something you're supposed to make happen. Now, in, the, in terms of theological terminology, we talk about sanctification, which means to be more like Jesus. And there is a progressive sanctification where we gradually become more like Jesus. And when we talk about being sanctified, that's usually the term we use. Well, this is definitive sanctification or definite sanctification where at a moment you were made like Jesus. Now, listen, guys. This is so crucial to get. If you, you're, gonna, you're gonna miss Ephesians chapters four through six if you don't get this. And here's what you need to get, that the gospel is way better news than you can imagine because a lot of times when we become Christians, here's what we hear. We hear Jesus is amazing, he's a savior, he gives you another chance, and so he saved you, he got you back to zero, and so you better put off and put on, otherwise he's not gonna accept you anymore. What this passage is actually saying 
And, and well, let me back up. What we hear is sort of a glorified version of God helps those who help themselves. That's your sanctification. You got to push hard and then God will kind of help you along. You got to do this and then God will help you along. When this passage says, in fact, the opposite, Spurgeon once said, flipped that on his head and said, you know what the message of the Bible is? The message of the Bible is that God helps those who cannot help themselves. And what this means for us is not as though we have to get this thing going and God will kind of help us along the way. It's that God got this thing going decisively and definitively and we cooperate along the way. That we did put off our old life, that we did put on Christ and now he says walk in the way. This is such good news because it means that Jesus saw us in our sin, saw our darkened mind, saw our callousness, saw our enslavement, saw our futility, and when he could have cast us away and let us keep running headlong into the sea, he stopped us. He sought us out. He laid his life down for us, and when he died, you know what he nailed to the cross? He nailed all those filthy clothes that we wore to the cross. And you know what happened when he rose again? Those new clothes that he rose in, those are our new clothes that he hands us. This is why his death and resurrection mean everything. Not just in that moment where we're saved, but in an ongoing way. And now look, if you're not a Christian, and if you're trying to change without the power to change, without this change first happening in your life, There's bad news, and that's that it's impossible. But there is good news as well. The good news of the gospel is that anyone, hear me, anyone can be changed. No matter how filthy your clothes are, no matter how far down the path you've gone, you can be changed. God helps those who cannot help themselves. And if you're here today and you think, I can't save me, I can't help myself, I can't do the church stuff, it's okay. Because if you're seeing Jesus and you're thinking, I want him, not my sin. If there's a distaste in you growing for your sin and a love that's out of nowhere that you're beginning to have for Christ, that is Jesus. You could be having this encounter with Jesus today. You could leave a new person today. Here's what you need to do. Call out to Christ to save you. Believe in his power to save. Believe in his power to renew you. And we would love to talk with you and rejoice with you if that's you today. But don't listen to the lizard. Don't go get your doctor. Don't get a second opinion. Don't put it off. Don't think next year. Next year, I, I really, you know, I really am gonna come to Christ eventually. No, come now. Come to him today. One last truth You've been changed, but because you've changed, you need to change. This is not a contradiction. Because you've changed, you need to change. Now, Paul describes this change here in Ephesians and in Colossians and uh, in other places, but he still says, don't walk down the path anymore. It's as though we've been given a new set of clothes. Christ has burned and thrown out our old clothes, and we've given a new set of clothes, and yet we're like, hey, that path looks good. And it's filled with filth and muck and mire. And Paul has a moment with us and he says, don't go back down the path. 
There is a real need to change to become more and more like Jesus. This is progressive sanctification, that we've been made new, but we need to walk in the newness of life that Jesus achieved for us. So the implication is this, that we are to put off our old self. There should be, in the Christian life, a continual putting off of sin. Now, Christ, through his death and resurrection, has dealt a death blow to our sin. Our sin no no longer overpowers us, no longer has us in change, but it is still a temptation. It's still attractive. And yet, as we follow Jesus, it should be more and more distasteful as we go. And that's good. If you're seeing, listen, this is what I want you to hear. If you're seeing areas of your life that you think, man, I know I did put off but I'm, I'm really wanting to put that back on or I'm trying that shirt out to see how it fits again or I went back to the dump and I'm looking at those socks because those were my favorite pair of socks and I miss them and you're trying on these old clothes. Paul says, no, continue to put off your sin and we need to renew our minds. We need to rewire our brains. We need to continue to encounter Jesus. We had this Amazing encounter at salvation with Jesus, but, but you need to continue to encounter him to continue to renew your mind. As you hear preaching, as you read his word, as you pray, as you gather with God's people, as you talk about uh, Jesus with others, this is part of that process of renewing your mind. And we need to put on a new self. It's not enough just to try not to sin. For every sin you're putting off, there, there is something to put on. Here's an example from Colossians chapter three. He says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. And here are the kinds of things, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which which is idolatry. But then he says, put on as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. He's saying that there there are things to put off and things to put on. So don't just put off lust, put on sacrificial love. Don't just put off greed, put on generosity. And this this is a crucial truth to grasp. The goal, listen, the goal of our Christian life is not to stop doing bad things and just never do bad things anymore. The goal of our Christian life is looking more like Jesus. So if all you ever do is to try to not do things, you're going to be really frustrated, okay? Because it's going to feel like everything in your life is no. Don't do this. Don't do that. Stop yelling. Stop being impatient. Stop doing this. But, but what, what's held out for us in Christ is this new life. And Paul says, act like that. So, so even begin to think, okay, Not just what do I need to stop doing, but what am I called to? And there's an an amazing illustration that C.S. Lewis uses to kind of tie this together here at the end. Returning to the angel and the man, the angel asks again, have I your permission? The man says, I know it will kill me. The angel says, it won't. But supposing it did, The man says, you're right. It would be better to be dead than live with this creature. Then I may blast you. Go on, can't you? Get it over with. Do what you like, bellowed the man. But he ended by whimpering, God help me, God help me. Next moment, the man gave a scream of agony such as I never heard. The burning one closed his crimson grip on the reptile. It twisted while it bit and writhed and then flung it, broken-backed on the turf. 
That's done for me, gasped the man, reeling backwards. Then for a moment, I could make out nothing distinctly. And then I saw between me and the nearest bush, unmistakably solid, but growing every moment more solider, the upper arm and the shoulder of a man, then brighter still and stronger, the legs and hands, the neck and golden head materialized while I watched as if my attention had not wavered. I should have seen the actual completing of a man, an immense man, not much smaller than the angel. What distracted me was the fact that at the same moment, something seemed to be happening to the lizard. At first, I thought the operation had failed because so far from dying, the creature was still struggling and growing bigger as it struggled. And as it grew, it changed. And suddenly, what stood before me was the greatest stallion I have ever seen, silvery white with mane and tail of gold. It was smooth and shining, rippled with swells of flesh and muscle, whinnying and stamping with its hooves. At each stamp, the land shook and the trees dindled. Then I saw them winding up, scaling what seemed impossible steeps and quicker every moment till the dim brow of the landscape. So high, I must strain my neck to see them. They vanished, bright themselves into the everlasting morning. See, I love this picture because of two things it reveals. And the the way that it's a metaphor for what we've been talking about. First, that the lie that sin often tells us is that, that we will become less ourselves if we give up our sin. But Paul says that's not just something to put off, there's something to put on. That he, he says this new life in Christ, when we reject sin and pursue him, we actually become more human that the lie we believe is that our humanity is the old man we're putting off, but the truth is that humanity is, and our true humanity in Christ is what we're putting on in him. And so as we put off sin and put on Christ, we're actually more ourselves and more human than we've ever been. But second, that these areas of our lives, for example, this one with lust, the lie that we can believe is if we throw this away, It'll, it'll just, that'll be, that'll be it. We'll lose a part of ourselves. But what this passage is revealing is you need to kill that area of sin so that godliness can grow. And when godliness has fully grown in your heart, it's better and more beautiful than the sin you once loved. So in closing, two lies. Do not believe these lies, church. The first is that you don't need to change. We all need to change. That's okay. The church should be a safe place for people who need to change. Not discouraged. It's something we understand. We've been changed as Christians, but we need to change to be more like him. But second, do not leave today believing the lie that you can't change, that there's no hope. Because the thing that you're afraid of, the thing that you're thinking, I I don't know if I'll ever be able to put this off and put this on, the truth of scripture is that it's already happened. Jesus has given you new clothes. He has taken away your old clothes and now you're simply to walk in them. And that's exactly what we're gonna be studying uh, in the, the rest of the book of Ephesians, how to put off these things and put on godliness. Hope in God, oh my soul, he is strong and he is strong to save. Hope in God, he's a rock in your hiding place. He's a mighty fortress. Who am I? 
It's a question for the ages, and sadly, existentialism has crept into the body of Christ. So where can we find the answer to these sorts of questions? Thankfully, our identity in Christ is clear in the scriptures. Pastor Ricky will explore this topic as he teaches through the book of Ephesians. You've been listening to Better News Radio, the radio ministry of Pastor Ricky Elcantar of Cross of Grace Church in El Paso, Texas. CD copies of today's study are available when you email us at radio at betternewsradio.com. That's radio at betternewsradio.com. Today's message, as originally presented at Cross of Grace Church, can be downloaded from our website at betternewsradio.com. If you can't get to a computer to download or place an order, you can always call us at 915-562-7100. We'll be happy to help you. Again, our phone number here at the church is 915-562-7100. Perhaps today's message was exactly what you're looking for in a church. If you don't have a home church and you sense God is calling you to walk in obedience to Him by being a part of the body of believers, please join us for worship this coming Sunday at 10.30 a.m. Community groups of believers also meet throughout the week in many locations around the city for Bible study and fellowship and even prayer. For more information, including driving directions, log on to betternewsradio.com. We hope to see you soon. The music that you hear each day on Better News Radio was provided by Sovereign Grace Music. We invite you to visit their website, SovereignGraceMusic.org. Pastor Ricky will continue sharing messages from his series entitled, Who Am I? from the book of Ephesians. That's next time on Better News Radio.